Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. Of 2 Samuel 13, I'll begin in verse 1. And it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister, whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. This would have been his sister. Amnon was so vexed that he felt sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. Watch verse 3. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother. Jonadab was a very subtle man, and he said unto him, Why art thou being the king's son lean from day to day? Will thou not tell me? And Amnon said unto him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Verse 3, but Amnon had a friend. Tonight I want to talk to you about the concept of wise counsel. Wise counsel. Can Can we pray together? Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We ask you that you would help us. You would lead us. You would guide us. Uh, that your word would be uh, meat to our souls, bread to our bodies. And Lord, I pray that we would not just be hearers of the word tonight, but that we'd be doers of the word also. And we'll be so careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. Someone said in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you for standing and thank you again for being in the house of the Lord tonight on a Bible study night. I've only been a pastor for nine years and a few months. Uh, Been in ministry uh, on some level pretty much my whole life. You know, born in the church, raised in the church. However, nothing you do really prepares you for being a pastor. There's, There's no book you can read. You know, people have written books, and I've read those books. I appreciate those books. Uh... But paper is a lot different than actuality, reality, you know, and uh, people have podcasts. I listen to those and they're great and I appreciate those. But, but really there's no preparation for becoming a pastor, especially, you know, starting a church from, from, from scratch and saying, hey, like, you know, we don't really know a whole lot of people here, but we're going, we're going to do this. And so you have all the influx of, of, of people and, and things. And there's some men in this room that have started churches before and been pastors before. And they'll tell you, uh, there's really nothing that prepares you for dealing with people. Trying to love them, trying to shepherd them and, and being a pastor. And if, if I've learned anything in the last nine years and a few months uh, from being a pastor, and I was an evangelist for many years before that, but that's not even con- in comparison. Uh, you know, some guys will say, well, I'm an evangelist, so I'll make a good pastor. But that's not necessarily true. <laughs> uh, because I know a lot of good evangelists that tried to start churches or take churches, and it was a complete failure. Like, it was just bad. Um, be- because the Lord will give you a pastor's heart. And if you don't have that, like, it's very difficult. If you don't have that, it's very difficult. And 
if I've learned anything in the last nine years and, and a few months, it's that I do better when I seek wise counsel. Not, not counsel. Everybody has something to say. Everybody's got a, everybody's got a spot. Everybody's got a shot, and they all want to take it. And I understand that people want to help you, people want to give you advice, and, and people want to tell you things, and, and I get that. And, and, and sometimes counsel is counsel, but there's a difference between wise counsel and unwise counsel. Counsel is good. And if I've learned anything in these you know, few years of being a pastor, it's that a lot of times before I open my mouth, it's good for me to take a moment and confer with people who have done it before me and people who are older than me who got the T-shirt and it don't fit no more. And just have a conversation with people and say, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I got going on. What have you done in these situations? What did you do in these situations? And I've learned to lean heavily on good counsel. And I have great counsel here in this building, in this church. Uh, but I also have great counsel outside this church. My father has been a, a great counsel to me. Uh, he's very wise, and he's uh, extremely direct. So if you don't want a, if you don't want the the answer that you don't want to hear, he's not the guy to call, because uh, he will tell you quickly and in a hurry, nay nay, or yes, and there's really no in between with him. And I've called him on several occasions over the last nine and a half years, and I thank God that I have that counsel. And there's other men in my life. If I said their names tonight, maybe some of you would recognize them. But there are men in my life who are, are captains of, of, of thousands. And at this point in my life, I feel like I'm captains of hundreds. But I need to confer and be close to captains of thousands if I ever want to get to that place. And, and, I, and I love my peer group. I have an amazing peer group of people who are right here with me doing what I'm doing, living in the world I'm living in. And they are, they're great to have good conversations with and to share and to lean and to glean and, and, and confer with. But when I need to make a decision that is up here, I, I can't talk to everybody right here. Amen? And, and this is good information for you tonight. And now, you know, like if you're looking for some great flip-flop, jump-out-your-seat message tonight, it ain't that kind of message, but I promise you it'll help you if you, if you let me continue on here, if you st stick with me. There, there, there's times in your life when counsel is the greatest, is the greatest defense you have. It's good, good, wise counsel. And a lot of times that counsel is not your friends. It's not, it's not your friend group. It's not your peer group. It, 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 it's not your... Your, your, your sister from a different mister or your brother from another mother. Like, like you need to find somebody who is older than you, who has done this before, and, and who would tell you straight up, no, you don't need to do that. Or, or yes, I think that would be a good decision to make. Counsel is so important. And because of our culture, because of our culture, we struggle to seek wise counsel. 
One of the things that we struggle with in this generation, and I know because I live in this generation, and it's something that I have struggled with, but I have tore down all of my predispositions because if, not, if I didn't have it, I don't think I'd be standing before you tonight as sane as I somewhat am. Ish. But I've learned to tear down all of my idiosyncrasies and look at somebody in the face and say, hey, what do you think about this? Because I don't know what to do here. And in, just in that realization that I don't know everything is a comfort and a humility that brings about a word that can help me. And many of us struggle to even get to that place where we would ask somebody who we consider above us, what do you think I should do in this situation? What is the answer? Or what do you feel like? And to seek wise counsel. Now, Psalms chapter 1 and verse 1. The, the very first song that is recorded in, in David and his chief musician's psalm book says this, Psalm 1 and 1 says this, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed is the man that walketh not. To me it's interesting that the concept would be about not what the blessed, the blessed man would do, but the concept is what the blessed man would not do. Because a lot of times, the greatest lesson you can learn is not what to do, but the greatest lesson you can learn is what not to do. Because if you don't do this thing, all the other stuff will probably fall into place for you if you just don't do this. And I cannot walk in the counsel of ungodly people and expect to have a blessed life. Now, I don't consider just any old body to be ungodly. And I don't feel like I need tonight to come and, and, and define for you what ungodly is. But we all have people in our life that we know are just carnal to the core. They're not godly people. They don't think about God. They, God is not on their radar. They think for themselves. They act for themselves. And they act and live out of a carnal mindset and a carnal way of living and a carnal way of thinking. And we know who those people are. And those people have no business giving you or me any kind of counsel. Yeah, I got one amen and that's good. Hey, you know what? If it's for two people, it's for two people. You, you have no business, I have no business going and seeking a godly remedy from an ungodly person. I need to make sure that if I'm asking a question that has something to do with my life, my, my decisions, my salvation, that I'm asking that question of someone who has a walk with God and a prayer life, someone that I trust that, that, that they have some kind of walk with God or at least some connection to the word of God that can even either give me wise counsel or biblical counsel. A lot of times I don't have the answers for people when they come for me to counsel. So I always say this, let's bounce it off the Bible. Let's just bounce it off the word because I may not have 
the exact counsel that you need, but I think that if we go to the word and we bounce this concept off the word, I think the word will tell us what the right decision is or at least give us a direction to go in. And a lot of times the word is just showing us, I don't want to go down this road. This is probably not the best decision. Amen? God, God ain't ever going to tell you some things to do. Ever. God's never going to tell you to be disobedient to people who you need to be obedient to. This is not going to happen. That wasn't God who told you that. God is not going to tell you to be unequally yoked with a non-believer. That's not God. Like, I don't know, I don't know, like you saw it in a, you know, a dream catcher or whatever, but it wasn't God. God is never going to tell you something that is usurping his word already. He's not going to tell you something that's against his word because God is not the author of confusion. And so when you start taking decisions and moments in your life and you start bouncing it off the word, does it bounce or does it fall flat? A lot of times you'll find out when I bounce it off the word, it just falls flat. It has no, there's no give to it. That dog ain't going to hunt. That's why we say in North Carolina. I don't know what y'all say around here. But in North Carolina, we say that dog ain't going to hunt. That, that, that ain't right because the Bible says this, and you can never go wrong. Let me just, let me bring to you uh, some, some, let me bring to you some, some counsel here. Uh, look at Psalms 33. And 10 and 11, here's what he says in Psalms 33, 10 through 11. says, the Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. You see, the Lord has a counsel, and that counsel's in his word. And you ain't ever going to go wrong. You ain't ever going to go wrong waiting for the counsel of God. Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what would you do in this situation? We all want to wear the wristband, WWJD, but we don't want to walk that out and live that out. You know, what would Jesus do? Well, what would Jesus do? Think about it. What would Jesus do? Jesus was submitted to his father. Don't get scared, all you oneness people. I'm one this too. He was submitted to the will of God in his life. He was submitted to it. And he let us know in his prayer at Gethsemane that he struggled with that will, but he was going to do that will no matter what. I don't like this will. If it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thy will be done. You know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily feeling all that you're saying to me but nevertheless, I'm going to do it anyway. That's, that's good preaching. Ain't nobody running the aisles, but it's good preaching. Be, because God's will is that always going to fall into the plans and greatness and structure of the life that we thought we were going to have. Sometimes God's will takes us on a course and we're like, we don't want to do this. Nevertheless, if it be thy will, I'm good with it. Amen. And if we're going to do what Jesus did, then we're going to have to follow his counsel. He has good counsel. Watch what it says in Psalms 106. I found this interesting. Psalms 106, uh, verses 11 through 15, it says, And the waters covered their enemies. This is what God did for them. The waters covered their enemies, and there was none of them left at all. 
Verse 12 says, Then believed they his words, they sang his praise. God blessed them, took them out of captivity, and they believed him and they sang his praises. But they soon forgot his works and they waited not for his counsel. But lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert and he gave them their request but sent leanness into their soul. After a while, they forgot what God did for them and then they wouldn't wait for God to speak to them. They wouldn't wait for the counsel of God. They, would, they, they were so anticipatory of whatever it is they wanted to do. The Bible would call it their lust, but they lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and they tempted God in the desert. They wouldn't wait on that wise counsel from the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 14 tells us, where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, what does it say? There is safety. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. If you're not seeking counsel about a life decision, a move you're making, a relationship you're getting in, a house you're buying, a business you're starting, whatever it may be. Like, I think that we limit God to just a few things in our life, and we don't allow God into places in our life that God wants to be in. It's like, if there's a kid wanting to go to Bible college, he's all prayerful about that. I'm, a, I'm, I'm all prayerful about the Bible college. The Lord wants me to go to Bible college. I'm all prayerful about that. But if a kid wants to go be an engineer, they're not prayerful about that. It's like, I'm just going to go be an engineer. Well, no, because God needs engineers just as much as he needs preachers. God can call you to be a firefighter, absolutely. Oh, see, anybody, some of y'all look at me like I'm crazy. You never heard that kind of preaching before. Absolutely. God could call you to be a police officer. That's ministry. That's ministry. You, you can, God could call you to be a cook, start your own business, have your own restaurant. Absolutely he can. But, you, but you're not praying about that. You're not praying about that. You, you're not letting God give you the counsel in those areas of your life. You're just thinking, well, I'm not going to be a preacher, so I'm not going to pray about nothing. No, God, God may want you to do those things. And I know like, you know, church culture has kind of trained us in that way a little bit that, you know, the only spiritual people in the room are the preachers and the teachers and the ministers. But, but God might have called you to start your own painting company because he has a plan for your life and you're going to bless the kingdom of God and you're going to be a bridge for people to come into the kingdom of God and God's going to place you around the right people and so you ought to be praying about painting as much as I'm praying about preaching. But we're so confused, we think God's only concerned about one thing. God, God's going to use everything in your life if you let him. You say, well, I just, you know, I don't really have no aspirations. I just want to be a mechanic. Well, some of y'all know what I'm going to say when you come to me. 
You know exactly what I'm going to say. He said, well, I, I feel like I want to, I don't know if Court Williamson is in here tonight. Like, first time he talked to me, he said, he said I'm going to go take a class and be a welder. My first comment to him was, so you can have your own welding company? That's the first thing I'm going to say to you. I feel like I'm a cook, but so you can have your own restaurant? Well, I feel like I'm an architect, so you can have your own architecture firm? The Bible told me that I will be the lender, not the borrower, and I'll be the head, not the tail. And, and, and we don't want to pray about those things. We want to let those things just float, float on the sides. But God may be using your gift to raise up something unbelievable that he can use for his kingdom, but we don't want to seek that counsel. We just want counsel over here on this thing. God wants to use all of that. God used Moses and God used Aaron and the Levites, but who made the silver sockets? Who dyed the badger skins purple? Who knew how to cut shittim wood? To exact proportions. Who knew how to melt and overlay gold and silver and brass? Who knew how to make a tin candlestick vial where all the candles would come and converge into one place? That the oil that lit this lamp was the same oil that lit that lamp. You got to have that kind of knowledge. Who did that? One of the Levites? No, sir. Who made the bread? One of the Levites weren't allowed to. Weren't allowed to. Who farmed the land? One of the Levites, they weren't allowed to. They weren't allowed to. Weren't even allowed to have land. Who brought the cattle in for the sacrifice? One of the Levites were not allowed to have cattle. I'm not trying to start no side business. This is my business. Okay. God bless you now. But God wants to use you. Where, where are you asking God for counsel from? They didn't wait for his counsel. God, when, when you ask God to come into something, he'll come into it. He'll come into that thing. You say, God, what do I need to do about this decision? I got to go meet with my boss tomorrow, God. Go with me. Put the right words in my mouth. Let me say the right things. You might walk out of there with a raise. You know why? Because you asked God to come into that moment. Because you said, God, what should I do here? God, God wants to be involved in more than just the problems that you have and your headaches and your suffering and all the issues, he also wants to be a part of the decisions that you're making and the, he wants to counsel you, give you wise counsel for your life. And if you ask God into that situation, he will come into that situation. But he's, he's a gentleman. He gonna send at the door and knock. He's waiting for you to open the door and, and you, you will let him into this part of your life, but you won't let him into this part of your life. You say, Lord, what should I do about this? And you never ask him about that. But where there is no counsel, the people fail. And where there's a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Watch this. In Proverbs 15 and 22, it says, without counsel, purposes are disappointed. That's so good right there. That's a whole word. That's a whole word right there. Without counsel, your purpose can be disappointing. But in the multitude of counselors, they are 
established. So there's two things in the multitude of counselors that we know of biblically. Biblically, there's two things in the multitude of counselors. Number one, safety and establishment. That's what we know from the word of God, that if you surround yourself, surround yourself with good counsel, there's two things. You'll be safe and you'll be established. That's, that's in the word. That's in the word. And multitude of counselors should give us an insight that, you know what, I'm not just going to ask one person, and, and I'm not so, you know, big and bad on myself that I think that I'm the only person you should ask as a pastor. You know, maybe some stuff, yeah, come, come ask me about it. I'd love to find out first, you know, from you than 20 people. Because I don't know if they're telling me the truth or not. I don't believe everything I hear. I'm trying not to believe everything I think. <laughs> Some of y'all get that tomorrow. <laughs> On the way to church. Oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everything I think ain't true. Sometimes I need counsel for my own thoughts. Like, hey, I'll be asking a man all the time, hey, help me. This is what I'm feeling. Help me out. Is this real? No. Thank you. <laughs> a multitude of counsel because we need counsel. We need counsel on our level, and we need counsel above us. The Bible tells us that ungodly counsel is no good for us, so we don't want to go down. You hear me? There's no need to ask somebody, and I'm not. When I say down, I don't mean I'm not saying that people are down. I'm not saying that they're less than. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that there's no good counsel for you in ungodly people to lead you to do dumb stuff that'll get your life in a mess. Your single friend at work should not be giving you marriage advice. Hello. Like some 18-year-old on Twitter who ain't ever done nothing. Only corn they got in the crib is candy corn from Halloween. <laughs> they shouldn't be telling you how to be a parent. You don't know nothing. And, and it's okay that you don't know nothing. I don't think less of you. I just think this of you. It, 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 I'm not thinking less of you. I'm just thinking truth about you. You don't know anything, so I'm not taking... Your advice. So when, when I think about advice or counsel, I'm not going down here. I need to either have a counsel of a friend and a true friend. A true friend. A, a friend that'll tell you, nah, that ain't, that ain't right. A friend that'll say, bruh, that's probably not the best decision you ever made. But here's what it says in Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27 and 9, it says, ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Like it rejoices the heart. It's good to have those conversations with friends who you know are going to be honest with you and tell you what's up. Godly friends. Ain't no need to be having no ungodly counseling session with ungodly people. Now, I know we all have ungodly friends, but I'm not going to them with my problems. That's, that's why you got to be careful even with ungodly, you know, counselors. I, I'm, I'm talking about 
ungodly psychiatrists, ungodly psychologists. Un and, and listen, all that's good, but you need to bounce that thing off the word of God. That's all I'm going to say. I believe in all that. You know I do. Go get you some. You need some counseling, baby. Go get you some counseling. I'm fine with it. Go do it. But just be sure to know that person's not thinking anything about Jesus when they're talking to you. They're just thinking about a lot of times just, you know, how they're going to make money off of you. And that's a sad case, but it's true in a lot of cases. So just be careful and, and make sure that when you leave that council that you at least have somebody who's got a biblical word for you as well that you can at least bounce that off of. Say, how do you feel about this? What do you think about that? Because I've had couples come to me and say, well, we went to a marriage counselor, and this is what he said. And I'm like, that ain't even near what the word of God says. But I said, well, that's what he said. I don't care what he said. I don't care what he said. What he told you is literally the reverse of what the word of God would counsel you in this moment. So are you going to believe him because he's got a degree hanging on his wall? Or are you going to believe the word of God because the word of God is right in this situation 100% of the time. Well, my situation, I don't care what your situation is. 100% of the time, the word is the word. You're not going to get to heaven and be like, well, I, you know, I, you know I, I did it this way because, you know, I, I felt like this was better. God's probably not going to hear that. His word is going to be right. And sometimes the counsel that you're receiving, even from professionals, can be ungodly counsel. And you won't be blessed. I want to live a blessed life. And so I got to be sure that the counsel that I'm receiving from people, it, 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 and even if it is a professional, that I'm at least taking it home, praying about it, and bouncing it off the word. Even if I'm not going to say anything to anybody else about it, I at least bounce it off God's word and say, you know, that's, that's not right with God's word. That, that's not what God would say here. And I'm a firm believer. I'm a firm believer that there's always, always a blessing in following the scripture above your emotional state of feeling. Let me say it again. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. I'll say it again. The scripture is always going to be more of a blessing than following your heart. Don't follow your heart. That's the worst advice you're ever going to get is follow your heart. Because here's what the Bible says about the heart. Here's what God said about the heart. He said, the heart of man is exceedingly wicked. Who can know it? He said, you can't even know it. So like following your heart is just like a really bad idea. It's like, that's, that's the worst idea is to follow your heart. Well, I, I just feel like it's right. I feel, that's emotion. When you get the word, the word's going to separate emotion. It, the Bible said it's like a sword that's sharp that separates the meat from the bone. And it separates even the sinew, meaning that it gets down into the detail, the separating. And, and when you get that word in you and you see it separating, you say, well, look, I felt like there was a gray area here that I could kind of live in, but the word's letting me know I can't live in that gray. There, there is no gray area here because on this situation, it's, it's, it's right and wrong. Line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. There are concepts in your word that are here a little, there a little. I can prove it to you that there are concepts in this Bible that are here a little, there a little, meaning that like there's variance in those concepts. But a lot of the concepts in the Bible, th there is no variance. 
it's, it's either this or that. And the counsel of God's word is always going to be a blessing to your life if you follow in that counsel. I'd rather do what the word says than do what culture says. I'd rather do what the word says than do what my loved ones say. I'd rather do what the word says than do what my friends say. I'd rather do what the word says than do what the pastor says. If my counsel, if my counsel, I know I'm a man of God and I know I got reverend in front of my name, but it means nothing to God. You know that, right? It's just title and position. But when me and you stand before God, I don't have an extra, I don't have a, a pastor's line. There's no sky priority in heaven, okay? Ain't no TSA pre-check in heaven. All right, I got to stand in the same line you stand in. Uh, you got it? Now, if we go to the airport, hey, I'm, I'm a high flyer with Delta. I'm probably going to go in a different line. Don't, be, don't, get, don't get mad at me. I'm, I'm not standing with the peasants. You know what I'm saying? No, playing. <laughs> but when it comes to Jesus, I'm in the same line you in, okay? So if I say something that don't match this word, don't do what I said. Do what the word said. Do what the word said. Do what the word said. I, 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 I am not fearful of a man. That's what the Bible tells us. Fear no man, but fear, fear the one who can put your soul in hell. That's the only person you should fear. And who's the only person that can put my soul in hell? God. God's the only one that can make that determination, whether I'm going to heaven or I'm going to hell. That's, that's all him all by himself. Ain't none of us on that pay grade level. That's all up to him. So I don't fear man. I fear God. And, and I might upset you, but if I'm doing what God said do, I, I can't help that. I, I'll do it with the most kindness I can. With a smile on my face, joy in my heart. Because the Bible told me to speak the truth, but speak the truth in love. Hey, we forget that part of the, the, the scripture. We got to speak the truth. In, I'll speak the truth in the most lovely way that I possibly can. But at the end of the day, it's going to be true. And the truth hurts. But it also sets you free. Woo. Thank you, Lord. Here's what unwise counsel can do for you. It's, it's old Amnon. And he's got a thing for his half-sister Tamar. He, the Bible says that he wants her so bad that it makes him sick. He's sick, physically sick. But he knows he, he, he can't have her. He, he knows that. He's, he's, he's clear on the limitations He's clear on the limitations of what he can and cannot do. He knows that's not going to fly. But verse 3 tells us that Amnon had a friend. Amnon had a friend. And his friend says, hey, man, like, why, why are you so sad all the time? Like, I, I, every time I come here, man, you just look like someone stole your lunch money. And he said, it's, it's because I'm in... I, I, I'm in love with Tamar, and I just can't. And so his friend, friend, his ungodly friend, gives him advice, gives him counsel. He says, says, you know what? You, you probably should just like fake like you're sick, and then when they ask you if you're, are you okay, tell them I want Tamar to cook for me, and I think I'll, I probably could get better if Tamar was making me soup. And so he plays this whole role after the counsel of his friend. 
And, 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 and Jonadab sets him up for failure, even though Jonadab is probably just thinking he's helping his friend. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm showing you how, how to skirt around this. I'm showing you how to get around this. And, he, and so Jonadab tells him, look, go, go and pretend like you're sick. And when Tamar comes to feed you and when nobody else is in the house, then, then you can really do what you want to do. I mean, it's going to be your word against hers. And Amnon, Amnon does it. And he takes advantage of his stepsister, Tamar. Tamar will live the rest of her life in shame. I, I want to point something out here. Because if, if you read this scripture, I would encourage you to read this, this story um, in 2 Samuel chapter 13. I, it's, it, it's a tough read, I'll be honest with you. It's, it's, a, it's a rough story. In 2, Samuel, in 2 Samuel chapter 13, I want to point something out here. The Bible says that after Amnon did what he did to Tamar, that Tamar left and she went to her brother's house. And the Bible says she lived there the rest of her life in shame and darkness. Now, I know about shame and I know about darkness and I know about being taken advantage of. And I did exactly what Tamar did. I kept it a secret from my father until I was a 40-year-old man. And I wasted many years of my life because I felt like shame kept me from being able to tell the truth. Tamar was full of shame. I know what shame is. Shame is not guilt. Let me tell what guilt does. Guilt's good. If you feel guilty in here tonight, that's good for you. You should feel guilty. Guilt is great. Because you know what guilt does? Guilt says you did something wrong and you need to fix that. That's guilt. Guilt tells you that you did something wrong. Let me tell you what shame does. Shame tells you that you are wrong. Guilt says I made a mistake. Shame says I am a mistake. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Guilt says, I messed up. Shame says, I am the mess up. I'm always messing up. It's just me. This is who I am. I'm just, I'm, I'm just a horrible person, and I'm always going to be horrible, and I'm never going to live life right. And I know about shame. And Tamar was full of shame. But the problem was this. The problem was is that when she left that moment, she went to her brother's house. That's the problem. She shouldn't have went to her brother's house. When she got hurt by her brother Amnon, she should have went to her dad's house. She should have told David. She should have told David. Because she thought, because Amnon took away her innocence, that he took away her daughterhood. But she didn't have to be innocent to be a daughter. David would have never seen her as used goods. He would have saw her as his daughter. She would have not lived the rest of her life as basically a widow and living in shame. But her, her father would have lifted her out of that and said, come sit beside me, baby. You, you, you mine. I don't care what Amnon did to you. You're mine. But she went to her brother. And you know what her brother did? He didn't tell David. He didn't tell David. He hid it in his heart. Her brother 
hid it in his heart and became angrier and angrier or angry every day. Absalom became angry and angry every day. And Absalom got mad at David. One of the reasons why Absalom and David locked, locked horns and, you know, Absalom died because of this. It's because he grew a hatred in his heart because David didn't do anything about it. But if you read the scripture, David didn't know about it. Nobody told David. He was left out of it. The father was left out of it. And at some point, Absalom got so mad with Tamar. The Bible says he was so mad with him that he could not speak to him peaceably. And so, finally, Absalom hired a hitman, basically, and killed Amnon. David was so mad and, and so, so, so wroth with Absalom, why, why'd, you kill, why'd you kill Amnon? It, totally oblivious to the, the whole backstory of, of, of what had all happened. You see, this is the, the, the unwise counsel of an ungodly friend did not just ruin Amnon's life. It ruined a whole kingdom. Absalom missed his opportunity with a crown because of Jonadab. It skipped a whole generation. Absalom doesn't become king. Solomon does. Solomon is, Solomon is the son of Bathsheba. David's mistake. He wasn't even in the lineage. He's a mistake child. He's not even supposed to be king. Bathsheba is the wife of his ill repute. And Solomon becomes king. You know why? Because Absalom missed his mark because, because Amnon had a friend. That's it. Amnon had a friend who he let hang around and talk him into some dumb stuff. And it ruined a whole kingdom of people. Absalom had his own army. David had his own army. And Absalom's hair gets stuck in the tree and they kill Absalom, for David's sake, which drives David, if you read the scripture, into deep depression that he never comes out of as a king. David never gets over the loss of his son Absalom. He never fully mentally repairs his mind from the death of Absalom. Absalom is too much for him. It basically ends his kinghood. All because Amnon had a friend who gave him ungodly and unwise counsel. There's probably a 17 or 20 reasons why the Lord laid this on my heart today. <clears throat> but I know in this season, in this season of my life, in this season of this church's life, in this season of people that sit in this room, one of the greatest questions that you can ask yourself right now is, who am I listening to? Who am I listening to? Who am I talking to? See, over the last few months, I've had to have some hard conversations with people who don't go to church here, people that aren't connected with this, but I've said, man, check my spirit. Am I right? Check me. I've had to have hard conversations with my mother and my father and say, check me. Check my spirit. Where? Where am I at? Because I know I'm a man of God, I'm a pastor of a church and all that, the fancy smancy stuff that we want to talk about. But at the same time, I'm also a man, flesh and blood, and I need wise, godly counsel. Check me. Get me right. Where's my head at? 
and we all need to inventory our thoughts and our spirits and our minds and say, who am I listening to? And if the answer to that question is nobody, you're in trouble. If you ain't listening to nobody, you're in trouble because the answer to nobody is not really nobody. If you say, I, I don't listen to anybody, well, that's wrong. You're listening to somebody because the only way to listen to nobody is listen to yourself. So you listening to somebody is just you. And you're not a nobody. You're somebody. You're somebody. You're listening to yourself. If you don't have any counsel in your life, then you are the counsel. And one of the worst things that we can all do is believe ourselves. That's not common preaching. People don't really like to hear that kind of stuff because we have, we have all adopted a humanistic view that we're good, you know, we're inherently good people. No, you're not. If you were inherently good, you wouldn't need Jesus. You're inherently evil. You inherently want to eat the forbidden fruit. You inherently are born into sin, shaped in iniquity and all of sin, and come short of the glory of God. That's you. That's me. And we have to work. And we have to live a righteous life. And we have to go counterculture and counterflesh. And we got to do like David did and hide the word in our hearts that we might not sin against him. And it's the word that I hide in here. And it's the word that keeps me. And it's the word that checks me. And I'll wait on the counsel. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Yeah, they that wait on him. I'm going to wait on him. I don't know the answer right now. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep my mouth shut until I do have an answer. That's better than flying off at the, at the handle because then people get hurt, myself included, you included. And so I say, Lord, help me. And I reach out for wise counsel, the sweet counsel of a friend and the righteous counsel of a mighty God. Wise counsel. I hope that this lesson is helping somebody tonight. Uh, you know, you don't have to say, oh, man, but, you, you know, you can say, oh, me. What I, what I want for everybody listening to this now and watching it later online is for you to check your heart and say, who am I listening to? Where's my information coming from? Who's speaking into my life? Because... I guarantee you that the enemy will put a Jonadab in your life so fast. The enemy would love nothing more than to slide a Jonadab right beside you and say, oh, man, I'll tell you what you ought to do. You ought to just wrap that thing up, leave her, leave them kids. I'll tell you what you ought to do. You ought to quit that job tomorrow. Walk in there, kick that desk over and tell them you can take this job, whatever. Every one of us has a Jonadab waiting in the wings. The enemy would love to slide a Jonadab into your life. So I'll tell you what you go do. You slap the taste out of his mouth. Yeah, that Jonah Dab is probably just living on the inside of most of us in the room. And, and, and the enemy would love nothing more than to slide a Jonah Dab beside you and say, hey, you know what y'all to do? Y'all to pretend like you're sick. Y'all to lie. Y'all to be mischievous. Y'all to manipulate the situation to your advantage. And the next thing you know, you've caused a man to miss out on his moment because of hatred. Oh, Jesus, help us. Lord, help me. And help me help the sheep of God's pasture. 
if we could all just say, Lord, who, who am I listening to? God, who, who, who am I checking in with? Who's, what, what voice am I hearing? And if, and, if, and if it's nothing, then let me open this Bible and, and shut my mind off and put the word in its place. And the word is going to show me where that, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's right, this is right, that's right. Amen. As you stand to your feet, would you, would you just bow your head and, and let's just pray together right now? I want to I pray over us. I want to pray over th this church. I want to pray over these lives. These, there, there's people in this room tonight. You're, you're making life decisions, life choices. You're, you're taking lefts and taking rights, and, you're, and, and there's all kind of stuff going on, and, and you seem lost. And, and, and you don't have to raise your hand tonight, but I know that many of us, sometimes we just feel lost. We feel lost in the mix. We feel lost in the struggle. We, we, we feel lost in all the decisions that we need to make. What's the next thing for me? And, but tonight I feel like God is speaking to us to say, hey, get some wise counsel in your life. The sweet counsel of a good friend and the godly counsel of God's word and people in my life who are godly that will give me godly advice. Can we pray together right now? God, I come before you. God, because only you know the thoughts and intent of the Father. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.